0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now available in more homes than the PAC 12 network. We are the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles
1: Jack. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com.
0: Liner gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC. We are the podcast of champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the
1: 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the Podcast of Champions talking all things Pac-12 football. We are ready to preview Friday night's game in Las Vegas, the final ever Last one, history, Pac-12 championship game. David and I. If you're listening uh, across the podcasting platforms, thank you for doing that. If you're watching us live or either recorded on YouTube, uh, I am in studio. David is home because he has another vacation to go on or something. I don't know. You what? What are you doing, David? I'm sick. Oh, I have an illness. Uh, That's not it's good. one of those
0: terrible um, children illnesses that uh, parents get, and so I'm dealing with stuff. it. Yeah, I'm dealing with it in the way of uh all fathers everywhere, which is uh pretending like I'm dying most of the time.
1: Gotcha. Uh yeah. that's kind of the way it goes. All right. Um I'm gonna so what we're gonna do yeah. is see if I can pull up. Yeah, I got up, I've got your comments here. So if you guys are are live in the chat, I will be able to put your comments up on the screen. Everything will go kind of normally except David's remote. That's all. Um probably not a long show when we say that. It's always gonna be uh, a long show but i want to um yeah we got a preview this crazy game uh we got a little newsy stuff too right david um so i was i had a question on the podcast uh, my, the Peristyle podcast and i wanted to get your thoughts on this uh hit me yeah who they were i was asked who is going to broadcast all of the Pac12 the current group of Pac12 football program spring games because i know you're mm-hmm. big into the spring game correct Obvious. because the pack 12 is going out like the pack 12 and, and i i messaged with uh yogi roth a little bit about this the pack 12 is not doing a show from the championship game on friday now they will do stuff like content stuff like they'll be there but they're not doing like a pregame show or a postgame show that they're showing on the networks and i think it was john canzano reported that was like a budget. Cut or something, or just budget concerns. But going forward, there's still going to be Pac-12 football until all these teams leave. You know, after the summer, the beginning of fall, whatever it is. Who's going to broadcast the spring games? Do you think would be like would the ACC network? You know, broadcast Cal's game or would can it we
0: just be- can we just all stop and recognize that what Ryan is doing here is he's asking about spring games yes. on literally. The preview for the Pac-12 title game, like the yes. last one ever, and he has led the show right here and now with what television program, what uh, what news anchors who will be covering the spring games? Those all important spring games.
1: Yes, I knew you would love this. It's In so sickness. Beautiful. I thought that would be a great way to start the show. It's but so... I had the question.
0: Yeah. Um... I don't know. I mean, I know that the there's been complaints about how limited what the Pac-12 has done this year is, uh, especially with, like, as basketball starts and um, stand-up spots, pregame shows, all that kind of stuff. They've really cut back. I-, I can't imagine it's going to be a Pac-12 operation in the spring. But how that plays out, I mean, I would imagine we're just going to get... A, I, Ryan, I, I know, it's sad, but I imagine we're just going to get a lot less spring football practice coverage
1: so yogi told me that they uh, they're contractually obligated to still do so so that's still part of what they're supposed to do but i the thing i'm wondering about and the talent's uh, gonna be gone who's gonna do it that's the thing is like how many people it's it's like you they've kept this together for football but like you're not even having a i mean they have a presence but they're not having a show at you know the pac-12 championship game I mean, just keeping basketball together for the rest of the way. And then once spring comes around, you're like, are they going to have the bodies there? Because everyone, you know, if you're, it's basically a sinking ship. Do you want to be the person that turns the lights out? You know, it's just, I don't know. Like, I I don't know if you'll be able to keep the infrastructure together that long. Like, I think they've done a pretty good job so far, but the closer you get to the end of days, and maybe there'll be some sort of transition where like um, Washington State and Oregon State are keeping some semblance of it together to do some production. So I don't know, but that's what I was just curious about. It's more of the big picture thing, like that, they're not going to be there for the, they're not going to have a show at the championship game for the conference when you have two Heisman Trophy candidates going at it. The winner likely is going to the college football playoff and you're not even going to have like a show. Like So that's why I was kind of wondering just about like the future of the network and all that, you know, the spring game is sort of like a side thing, but. Wow, how much did it hurt you to say that? Well, a little bit. <laughs> uh, we do have a uh, super chat. Woohoo! Do I have a? I don't know if I have a. Nice, I'll do that. Oh yeah. Let me put it up here, uh, Rick. If Chip Kelly can get an extension for mediocrity, uh, then the podcast of champions should get one too. Let's keep the virtual Pac-12 going.
0: I like it. I like it. Um, well, I would just say. First of all, yes. uh, there is no information that Chip Kelly has gotten an extension, uh, Rick, and I would thank you not to uh, put that sort of thing out into the universe. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna keep this thing riding. I, I think I think we've more or less. I think we're ninety five percent there that we're just gonna cover the diaspora. We're just gonna cover each of the programs wherever they are now, uh, and we'll continue to cover what was, what is, and what forever will be the Pac twelve
1: nice yeah no i think that's the what we got to do i don't think we can do the two show a week thing but that was tough um but you know well we'll see i mean i I think it's gonna it's gonna materialize like what we should be doing um i guess we could still cover the spring games uh of all the (laughs) teams but yeah so but thanks rick for the super chat uh I appreciate that. Um, there I, there are people, I don't know. I No one really responded about the meetup. So it doesn't seem like, I haven't seen anyone's doing a tailgate or anything. So I don't know what's going on there. Um, but yeah, I, I will be out there. So come say hi. Uh, it's not easy to see people in that stadium because the it's very steep. The press box is kind of up high, but. Uh, programming note for everyone. Uh, not only because I'm at home, will you hear
0: airplanes going overhead, but they're also doing major construction next door. Nice. So, you know,
1: we're, we got a lot of ambiance today. There's I love the ambiance and stuff. Um, there was a few notes that were tweeted out there too, that seven of the 12 Pac-12 teams have seven plus wins. That's the highest percentage of all Power 5 conferences. So good way to go out final year of the the, you know, the uh-huh. Pac-12. Uh, and eight of 12 bowl eligible teams. That's the second highest percentage uh, in Power 5. Thank um, you, UCLA. There you go. And I think, yeah, for the Cal one. Um, I don't believe we know anything more about uh, the Oregon State-Oregon um, game, the ci- well, formerly Civil War. Um, but the Apple Cup for next year will be September 14th at Lumen Field in Seattle. So we know that it's going to happen. So that's pretty cool. Cool. Um, but I, it sounds like the Oregon State-Oregon one will happen. And there's some people – oh, yeah. So there's people um, looking for uh, – Amy in the chat's looking for tickets. I think Trojan fan is trying to sell a ticket. So he might've bought some for thinking USC would get there. So get in the chat if you want to exchange tickets. And if you're going to do like a tailgate or something, just let me know. Uh, but it doesn't sound like anyone's going to be doing that. Okay. Um, I guess we got to preview this game, David. I guess we do. Uh, So it's going to be, I don't know if you guys know this uh, Friday night in uh, Las Vegas, which is this city about four-hour mm. drive from LA in Nevada. I've never mm. been there, so I'm going there for the very first time. Should be a lot of fun. I don't know what they do there. Um, hopefully, there's some nice restaurants or something. David, maybe you could give me some pointers.
0: Something, you- something entertaining to do. Something that to pass the time. <laughs> uh, it's a desert, so yeah, can, how, maybe how, a little how could boring. Be,
1: how cool could it be? The yeah. desert, you know. Uh, uh, but I, I'm, I'm looking forward to my very first time uh, going to Las Vegas. Uh, we have. Number five, Oregon Ducks. And number three,
0: Washington Huskies. Five PM on ABC. Number five, Oregon. Only one loss. Who could that have been to? Uh playing number three, Washington, undefeated. Mm. Uh in Las Vegas. But despite that, Ryan, yeah. that's five versus three. You know, Oregon fifth. Washington third. Uh, Washington won the first time these two teams played. Oregon is a nine and a
1: half point favorite. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. Um, The the 12-0 and 0 team mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who's at home, like they they get to wear their home jerseys. That makes a difference. So obviously right? they're, they're home and they'll Huge have a home crowd. Deal, uh right? In this desert town they call Las Vegas, it's a nine and a half point underdog. The yes. team they already beat like a few weeks back correct hmm. uh this is very
0: interesting so um washington uh has not beaten a team by more than 10 points since cal which was uh if you remember in september uh they have uh they beat Oregon by three. They beat Arizona by seven, beat ASU by eight, beat Stanford by nine, beat USC by ten. They're the one in double digits. But they haven't been dominating teams. You know who has been dominating teams since losing to Washington? Oregon. Ah. They've been murder-stomping teams. But, key data point. You ready for a key data point as yes. the, uh, the saw goes off in the background? Yes. Oregon beat USC by one point fewer than Washington. Ah, what a data point. Extremely important data point. Um, Look, I I think there is a way that a lot of people are predicting this one's going to go, which is that Oregon, which is rolling, will continue to roll. Um, I do think Washington... uh, Something happened to that team. I don't know if Michael Penix is completely healthy. He looks a little bit funky, and he has for several weeks now. Um, But Kalen DeBoer, man, he's got two losses total in his Washington career right now, and none of them this year. Uh, I don't know if they're going to win. I, 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 I kind of doubt it at this point. But nine and a half points, I'm taking Washington.
1: Yeah, I'm along the. I'm in the same kind of camp as you when teams are playing like close games, and uh, Washington's been playing close games, so you can kind of knock them. Yes. For not blowing teams out like Oregon's doing, but they're, they've are they done the close game thing and Oregon hasn't for a while. And they were the close game they were in. They lost, you know, I, I agree. I don't know if Michael Penix is sick, if there is an injury that they're not talking about. And there's sort of like, I know he was sick earlier in the season. Is it something like that's continued on? I, I don't know. You, you being a sick person, maybe you can relate. If you like, you know, on sort of the same level, you do have the shirt, so maybe that helps you connect. Um, so, whatever connection you've had with Michael Penix, uh-huh. I've, or Penix, like you say, uh, and you're going with Washington, I—that's I, where my gut was going as well. Like, is there a world that that you know Oregon just blows out Washington because they've been blowing out everybody? Sure, I mean, we like it wouldn't be super shocking, maybe a little bit, but. Um, you could see that happening, but I just feel like a close game is more likely because it is two heavyweight teams. And even though, you know, Oregon could be like it could outgain Washington, and but you get a turnover here and it's just still kind of close. I'm not sure who's going to win, but I feel like nine and a half is just way too many points that I would just be like, all right. I mean, that seems like a, a sucker kind of bet thing where you, you just think they're going to like clobber them. Washington's already won. Um, no, they haven't looked as good, but every game is different. And I could just see these two teams kind of battling it out and, you know, Bo Nix doing Bo Nix things. Michael Penix doing enough Roma Dunze doing everything he can do, you know, Dylan Johnson getting some, some yards, you know, I, I just feel like it's going to be close. So to me, I'm going to go with you and, and the same thing and say, all right, nine and a half, I'd feel much more comfortable. Just sort of like, all right. I mean, I didn't like Washington. Last week, you had Washington covering 15 and a half against the Cougs. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, you've seen these games. Like, they're going to yeah. be close. and maybe. So I feel like it's going to be the same thing. That, they're, it's going to be close. So just give me those points. And, you know, maybe Oregon just goes on some tear and Penix looks terrible. Sure. But I, I feel more comfortable taking the points here.
0: Now, here's the big question. Yeah. Uh, I think either team win and they're in. I I've heard some people say, you know, what if Alabama wins the title game and then won't that buoy Texas's case as well? And if both of those are in and Florida state beats Louisville, um, you know, could there be some shenanigans? And I'm just like, no, not really, because you're talking about two top five teams. Whose only losses would have been to another top five team. Um, and uh, I think uh, who did Texas lose to again? Was it Oklahoma? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. And how's Oklahoma doing these days? Are They're they good. in their big? 12, are they in the Big Twelve title game? They're not. But no. So it's just. I mean, I think it's narrow. I think you've got for the for the first time really in the playoff era, which is so funny that it's happening the one time that the Pac twelve yeah. actually has elite teams. Um, but for the first time in the playoff era, you actually do have five or six teams who are in some former facet deserving um so somebody's going to be left out who's going to have a case and would have had a much stronger case in any other year but I'm having a really really hard time seeing them doing it to these two elite Pac-12 teams who have lost to no one else but the other playoff contending Pac-12 team you know what I mean yeah so I think in a situation where Alabama wins Texas wins uh, Florida State beats Louisville I mean I think it's it's a kind of a surprising thing because texas beat alabama but i think texas gets left out um and the pac-12 was going to be in yeah um
1: kevin said holy shit just got here dave looks cleaned up no, no I'm uh, this just is sick this is not the poc i signed up for yeah he's at home he's not feeling it's because i'm in i'm in lower death today he's got a saw, know, saw going on His kids are probably yeah. well the kids are at school right they're at school right. um yeah Nice. no i'm just here with one
0: completely impacted nostril and one completely open and that one is open for you the
1: people well you didn't bring me donuts but i'm gonna appreciate you know that you not coming in here and getting me sick
0: you so. didn't want those donuts today i'll tell you that
1: uh yeah it's funny i went when i went back to pittsburgh for uh thanksgiving like i've got a cousins and aunts and uncles and stuff there my parents came down from new england i leave i like all the texts are like, everybody was sick. Like, the little babies were sick. The old, I mean, everybody was sick. And I was just like, oh, let me get sick. That's lucky, I guess. But a lot of people, I guess, were getting sick. So hopefully you feel better soon. Um, Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, I appreciate you. You're, True friend. The playoff stuff is interesting because I think there's like eight teams up there. And I've listened to a lot of different national podcasts. And there's some that are like, the SEC is, you know, if Alabama wins, the SEC is getting two teams in. And there's other People that feel like if Alabama wins, like the SEC could be left out. Because um, there are different aspects of it. Like Texas is a one loss team, but they beat Alabama. So, like, if Alabama is a one loss team, like, how do you have, if, you know, the 10 to head Texas won? You could have Alabama bump behind that. Could Georgia fall from one to five? Um, you know, there's a lot, you know, could Ohio State sort of sneak in? Could the Pac 12 be left out completely if Oregon wins? Or, could the Pac-12 make two teams in? There's, there's just a lot that's kind of interesting about this uh, for I the don't, final. So what I
0: will say is I think the likelihood of an uncomplicated scenario is very slim at this point. Like, I think it's, it's hard to imagine all of these teams falling down in the right way that it'll make it an easy task for the CFP. I think this is going to be one of the harder 14 playoffs to seed that they've been faced with.
1: Yeah, cuz there was a lot of chalk this year and you yeah. could still get you know I mean there's crazy stuff that could happen. If Iowa beats Michigan like what? Yeah. Um but you know Michigan's probably in. Louisville can absolutely beat Florida State um, yes. because Florida State like without a quarterback or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah, a lot of people are thinking that one's going to happen. I wouldn't be surprised, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Florida State pulls it out. But then it's also will the committee penalize an undefeated Florida State team? Because they don't have their starting quarterback. That happens in NCAA tournament seeding a lot of times. Yeah. Where if a team has a hurt player, uh, it does impact seeding uh, because they're trying to seed the best possible tournament. But how do you do that to an undefeated team? And that's the part where, you know, it's it's deserving versus, you know, power rank versus all this other stuff. Um, but I don't think they can do that unless they lose to Louisville. But if they lose to Louisville, they're absolutely out. Um, yeah. Michigan, I think, can afford a loss to Iowa, frankly. Um, I think they could, probably afford, they could probably afford a couple of touchdown loss to Iowa because they're so far and away better. And how do you put in Ohio State ahead of them? And they will have made it through the gauntlet of the regular season. I think conference title game, winning it is a nice to have, and it can be that final bit for a resume to make you in but I have a hard time seeing it being like determinative for knocking an undefeated Michigan out. I think they're in, I think they're the one that's like, uh, unless something absolutely insane happened, like they lose by 42 to Iowa and somebody gets hurt. Uh, it's hard to imagine them not in everyone else. I think between Alabama and Georgia, I think it's hard to imagine not that one of those will not be in. I would think uh, at least I, one. Yeah. You know, like- but I think the same argument is true for Oregon and Washington. They've been consistently in, you know, in and around the top five all year. Um, this is a game that for me is just a play-in game for which one makes it. Yeah. Uh,
1: no, I I, I kind of feel that, but we just don't... You just don't know, you know. Um, the, the committee seems to like Oregon where they are. You know, they're above Ohio State. They like that they've been blowing people out.
0: Um, and the metrics love them. I mean, the metrics are really... I mean, I think they're fourth in the SP Plus now. If they put a beating on... Washington or even just beat them narrowly I think it's going to be um merely firming up their case
1: for the 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 nine and a half point spread that we both took Washington on um if Oregon has control of the game they're probably going to try to pile on, so like, yeah, no, this is going to be this is going to be some
0: unsportsmanlike things happening in this game if one if, of them has a considerable lead.
1: Yeah, I think I mean Washington doesn't need to like they can like run your regular stuff like, but if Oregon's you know they, if if they're winning by eight, they're going to try to beat the spread. You know, like they they're going to try to make it a double digit win because- style points. Yes, and the thing is,
0: Dan Lanning, um, I know he's gotten knocked the last two times if they've played Washington for like the aggression on fourth down, but if he hits a couple of those, like if, if, if the worm turns a little bit and those plays that have gone against them go for them a little bit, it could get that ugly. Like that's why the spread is nine and a half points. I think Oregon, you know, I mean, I look, I, I, I love Kalen DeBoer. I've made that very clear on the show. Oregon's a more talented team. They've got more talent on both sides of the ball. Right. Um, and they haven't hit the roadblocks that washington has if you know dan landing is going to be aggressive they're not going to uh you know back away from that certainly they could go zero for three or 0 for four on fourth downs like they did against washington and those could all be critical plays but it's more likely that they start hitting some of those and yeah. then uh the uh the the it'd be more fun if they didn't if it just like happened if, yeah. if, <laughs> if I mean, it just like... keeps happening that like He's, he's great at this. It's awesome in every other game except against Washington. Washington down by two. Not, they cannot put a fourth down. Down um, by
1: two, you could kick a field goal fourth and one. No, let's go for it. And like, don't get like that would definitely yeah. be more fun.
0: Like, I, all I know is this is super fun. Uh, having these two teams as the last ever Pac 12 title game is super, super fun. And they're both ascendant right now. I mean, you've yeah. got Washington with a true elite, elite head coach. Uh, and you've got uh, Oregon with. To, for my money, one of the best coaches in the country, Dan Lanning. What he does, aggression wise, they've got so much talent. The the two, the, these two uh, programs um, going head to head again this season is it's a perfect capper for the Pac-12. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I think for many of us, we would rather continue to see this going forward, and we will in a certain form in the Big Ten. But to end it all with. This game, I think, is uh, just about perfect um, for especially considering who have been the powers in the modern era of the Pac-12. Who And it's been, you know, Washington had that run with Peterson and then Oregon's been the consistent one. Um, those two going head to head right here is really cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, Nicholas says, uh, so anyone with a shirt can relate to Penix? <laughs> uh, no, you have to be a host of a Pac-12 podcast. And you got to be sick yeah. right now. And then sick at home, and then you can definitely uh, relate. Uh, Clint uh, says that um, crazy things can still happen. Uh, Washington loses, drops out of the top four, and then Oregon remains at five, getting leapfrogged. That's yeah, sort of- I
0: guess, Clint, Clint, yes, that's still technically possible, but I'm I'm arguing that that won't happen. I, I'm, I'm arguing that Oregon beating Washington will vault them into the top four, and I think this is just kind of a... um. Look, the the committee's job is to create drama, and I don't even think that's necessarily needed this year because there's going to be drama. Um, But Texas has a worse loss. They've lost to Oklahoma. And I know in the past, the committee hasn't really cared about who you lost to. It's who you beat. But this year, it's going to matter because UW and Oregon will have only lost to each other. They will have only lost to another top-five team. Oklahoma's not a top-five team. Texas, you're out. Sorry. Um and once you do that, it's going to be Pac-12 winner, SEC winner, probably Florida State if they win, and if not Texas, great, you're in. Uh, and then Michigan. And it'll be as simple as that.
1: Okay, what, are, what, is your, what do you make of – so the argument that the SEC gets left out is that Alabama wins. Uh-huh. Maybe they win big over Georgia, but I don't know. Just they win. So they're the SEC champion. Yep. Do you put Georgia in ahead of them? But if Texas wins, they have the head to head. So you're two one loss teams. Texas beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Like, could you leave out, could you put Alabama in if Texas isn't in, you know? And that would like knock other people down too. Yeah, of course you can. Even though Texas beat Alabama and they both have one loss.
0: I mean, this is like, oh, can you put Oregon in in 2014? They lost to Arizona. Should Arizona be in? Like it's No, but the, no. Arizona didn't have one loss. Like they have the ex- pretty much the same resume but they beat them. Except that they lost to a much worse team. Texas lost to Oklahoma. And I I again, most other years it doesn't matter. This year I do think your loss is going to matter because all the other resumes are relatively equal. In the past they didn't have to really worry about that because most of the time there was a very clear there was a very clear like 3 and then it's like who do you throw in there? This year, there's like five or six really, 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 really good teams. So what do you do? And I think at that point, it's when the loss is going to matter. Um, now, the interesting thing there is Alabama-Georgia, well, do you put both in? Because Georgia's only loss is to Alabama. And that's, that's actually a more compelling case than Texas for me uh, because Georgia's only loss will have been to a playoff team. Um, but I, I still think at that point, you've – you're going to have a PAC 12 league champion with one loss. Whose only loss is to uh, a top five team. It's, it's, it strains credulity to think that they're going to leave out the PAC 12 at that point. Um, Um, And I think from like a, from a, uh, uh, from a storyline standpoint, which I think has to factor in as well. There's just no way
1: they're leaving the PAC 12 out at that point. Seems very unlikely, but um, we'll see. All right. I have some, uh, uh, some breaking news here i'm trying to find his picture but uh and i saw a tweet about this dju has entered or is going to enter the transfer portal or maybe he has cuz if, if he's a grad transfer he can already so if you're if you're a grad transfer you can enter now uh everyone else can enter on monday and there's speculation that he would go to oregon <laughs> to play with his brother
0: uh that would make sense um i don't know if he's actually a fit for that system but um he could uh i so something interesting has been happening this week that a lot of guys who are not grad transfers have been announcing that they're entering the transfer portal already which feels like it's kind of in that gray area of probably not intended uh but dju i guess would be a grad transfer isn't he only a junior yeah what do you have two years am i wrong i might be wrong I think he played as a true freshman and then he transferred after his sophomore year, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he was a senior this year. Okay. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm wrong. Uh, he had, he had three years at Clemson and then he was, this was his fourth year. So yeah, he would be a grad. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I mean, I think the situation with Oregon state, uh, play the breaking news again. We didn't even talk about them hiring a coach. Promoted, uh, defensive coordinator, uh, Trent Bray uh, yeah. to the head coaching job. That seems like it was unanimous. Everybody wanted that administration. Uh, all the major fans, uh, Angie Machado, uh, Beaver Blitz, like this was the consensus and apparently the team was all for it. I really hope it works out. Um, that would be awesome. Uh, he did a great job taking over for Tim Tibasar at defensive coordinator, turning that into a, a very good defense over the last few years. Um, so, the hope is that he's able to continue and continue the momentum uh, for Oregon State. Obviously, this is a blow, uh, losing DJU. Um, and we'll see how he does uh, with the offensive side, because a big part of what Oregon State's been built on is QB development from Jonathan Smith. Um, their really, really impressive run game uh, scheming. Uh, and, you know, how does that play out with Trent Bray and whoever he ends up hiring for his offensive staff will be really interesting to see. But yes, this is a blow if they lose DJU to the portal, which looks, you know, he's going in. So imagine this is uh, pretty much a
1: done deal. And I think part of the reason, I think Konzano was on this as far as like, they they interviewed like seven people for the job. And, um, you know, it it came back to, you know, Trent Bray. And part of it is like trying to keep that continuity and maybe keep some of those players from leaving. Because we don't know what's going to happen you know, do you want to go to Washington State? Do you want to go to Oregon State when you're not really in a big conference anymore? You've got this weird kind of agreement thing going on with the Mountain West, most likely. So I think having some continuity, they felt, you know, you could keep some more roster stability. Um, you know, there was the reports of uh Cam Ward getting multiple like million dollar offers to get into the portal and go somewhere else. So I think this part of it is to try to keep the rosters together. Um yeah. so it makes sense, but Yeah, that was the other kind of breaking news that was going on. Uh, Trent Brown getting hired. Very cool. All right, should we take a well? Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and uh, do some questions. How you doing? You holding up, David? I'm 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 hanging in there barely. Back in a minute, everybody. All right, we're back here on the Podcast of Champions. Um, we got a voicemail from my buddy That's Perk. Here you tough. go. What's up,
2: guys? It's Perk. Um, Brian, I'm sure you're kind of tired of the questions, so my apologies on it. But um, I'm curious to know, based on what you've said about uh, Lincoln Riley and what's also come out about what they need to do in the offseason, I'm curious to get your thoughts on what the true scope of work is for uh, what you think the scope of work is for Lincoln-Riley's offseason. Do you think it's as simple as just getting a really good defensive coordinator, maybe changing out a few uh, assistants, or do you think they're similar to kind of – a? I don't want to say similar, but uh, if it's still in a similar position to what you had mentioned, um, what an assistant had said, if, if anyone sees what's under the hood, they'd never – work here or, or take the head coaching job. I'm curious to know if you think that's still in that spot or I guess truly what you think the offseason needs are for Lincoln Riley. Thanks, guys.
1: Thanks, Perk. Uh yeah, no, I think you have a really good offense. I mean their special teams were bad and their defense was bad. So you gotta make the you know, you added a lot of players on the defensive side that look much better. The players were better. You got like the Bear Alexanders of the world and the defense still stunk. So you need a different scheme. You need a different voice and you need someone that's a, that's going to have a lot of say uh, practice wise too. Here's not this. We're going to bring these players in, but we're also going to practice this way. Uh, We don't get to watch. So I can't tell you if it's mostly like seven on seven, you're trying to help the offense or whatever, but I think you need that sort of defensive voice. So they have a top, you know, one of the top offenses in the country. Lincoln Riley gets quarterbacks all the time. Like that's probably going to be fine. It's just more about on the defensive side. So no, I think they're a lot better off than where they were before. He's changed a lot of infrastructure stuff. Um, That was a problem. I mean, you can't like win 11 games with things being like completely terrible. So I think they're, they're fairly close to being, you know, decent again. You just have to like, you can't be that bad on defense. I mean, the, the fact that UCLA scored 31 points total in four games, but, USC somehow allowed them to score 38. Like that's just mind blowing. You know, you, their defense was just historically bad, like three years in a row, and somehow still last year they won 11 games. So yeah, I think they're, they they got to fix the defense. You know, special teams is some. You know, you got to do that too. But the defense, if you get a really good defensive coordinator, we've seen defenses turn around. Nebraska hires Tony White. They were in like the 90s. They go to like 17. UCLA wasn't UCLA in like the 90s or something? And then 17. Do we have, is David frozen? He might be frozen. That doesn't look good. Uh, right then. Okay. Cool. You're back.
0: Um, I blame you. Uh, I blame the tools that you use as our technical supervisor. Um, you know, I can't do everything here. I can't load this whole thing up on these two shoulders. They're not broad enough. They're pretty broad, but they're not broad enough for that task. Um, it, I need helping hands and, uh, well, you all see you all understand now you you get what i've been what I've been railing against for so long. so lo, these many years on our
1: uh little show here. yeah, uh Chris says bad reception at David's fortress of Solitude. Alex said David's just ignoring you. uh I wish I could I can't I can't yeah. ignore this fella. uh
0: yeah, so I left off when you were um, I don't know. Uh, talking Lincoln. about Lincoln rally and stuff.
1: Yeah, like they're you know they need to fix the defense. Like that's the big thing. Did you did you feel like that's not the case? Like no, that's not- it
0: entirely. Um, yeah. And you know who they hire at defensive coordinator is going to go a long way towards that. It's a coaching issue. I think we're going to learn. Uh, I think I said this uh on our last show. We're going to learn whether it's a coaching issue with the defensive coordinator, which is what I think it is. I don't really. There's, there's people who make the claim that Lincoln Riley's offense is formed in such a way that it's impossible to marry a good defense to it, which I have a hard time buying that as fundamentally true. But I yeah. do think he has to allow a defensive coordinator to have full control, do what they're going to do, full system, you know, uh, 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 control for that defensive coordinator. But if he hires the right guy, I don't see any reason why, you know, even a... a pseudo air raid or whatever it is usc is running i don't even think it's it's not like it's mike leach's offense like they're running the ball some yeah whatever um but i think if you do that you'll have uh there's absolute potential to have a very good defense as early as next year um if you get the right portal acquisitions and all that kind of stuff but it it does demand that lincoln riley hire well at defensive coordinator and that's the piece that we got to see
1: yeah no, I agree with you there. Um, we got a few emails. I think the first one we left off with was from Chad, disgruntled, uh, drunken shanties. Hello, right. Bert. Hello, Bert and Ernie. Uh, longtime emailer, first time listener <laughs> with Jonathan.
0: <laughs> also, uh, I just want to note something. Uh, he has spelled Jonathan, J-O-H-N-A-T-H-A-N. <laughs> no, but this is important. This is an important note. Jonathan Franklin. Uh, UCLA running back from 2009 to 2012, I think has ruined UCLA fans on how to spell the name Jonathan uh, because he was a J O H N A T H A N. Ah. So a great tell for whether a guy is a UCLA fan, ask him to spell Jonathan. uh, And if he's a particularly crazed one who actually pays attention to rosters, he will spell it. J O H N A T H
1: A N. I like it. Uh, Put that H in there. Okay. Okay. With Jonathan with an H, Smith, leaving for wherever East Lansing is, the question I have is this. After how much repeated self-inflicted dick punching will (laughs) UCLA football endure before realizing the call is coming from inside the house? How many more brain-dead decisions will be made? How can slash could they be stopped? And is there ever going to be a common sense in college or collegiate athletics? Please let me know. As I no longer feel the pain anymore. Chad.
0: Chad, it's a great question. And um, this has been a particularly bleak moment in UCLA athletics. And I think the more I've, I've delved into it, the more I've thought about it myself. I think if there is ever going to be fundamental change in the way UCLA deals with, treats athletics, if they're ever going to understand the fundamental realities of college football, which is this. And it's very simple, and every other school seems to get this. If you don't win 70-plus percent of your games, you fire your coach every four to five years. And that's just that's what every serious school does. Every single one, if you don't win at a high level, you fire your coach. And there's economic reasons why. New coach equals hope, equals ticket sales, equals donations, equals everything that you could possibly want to fund a program. The reason that uh, coaching search is good for our websites is the same reason it's good for an institution it's good it's a good thing you want to clear it out if it's not winning at an elite level winning at an elite level is the number one best thing possible but two, number two after that is clearing out the the detritus after every single uh coaching failure uh you need to do it ucla is not doing it right now so the more I think about it and the longer I go with following and covering UCLA football is it has to start at the very, very top. Uh, UCLA at the presidential chancellor level at UCLA, uh, they're going to be hiring a new chancellor next year. I think it's very important that that person uh, understand not the, the, you know, he doesn't need to know. He doesn't even know, need to know what a first down is. I don't really care he needs to understand the... Ec- or she, sorry. Uh, needs to understand the economic realities of college sports. Needs to understand that this y- you cannot just maintain mediocrity in perpetuity. That is not the end goal. The end goal is to not get everyone fat and happy with eight and four seasons. It's, it's never the goal. It is the goal to be either very good or constantly churning new coaches. Um, because that's how you continue uh, the apparatus. That's how you continue the money flowing in. Uh, and everybody needs to get on board with that. Um, and uh, until that happens from the top down, I think you're still going to be faced with, wait, are, are they serious? They're not behaving like anything, like any other institution behaves. Um, but hopefully a new chancellor will uh, will address that and um, you know get UCLA on board with the modern era a little bit more with their decision-making at the macro level.
1: I think stability is important. You know, I think you know. Locker, <laughs> stability. Like, so, like, yes, you want games. stability. You want stability if you're at an elite
0: level. But in the modern era, look at look at schools that are even moderately serious about being good or being ongoing concerns in the world of college football. You blow out your coaches if they're not winning at a huge clip. Huge yeah. clip. Um, and it's just that's that's the fundamental reality. Um, and it's led to some things where people are like, wait, that guy got fired? That's crazy. And it's like, oh, that wouldn't have happened in nineteen eighty. Yeah. You know why? Because the economics were different in nineteen eighty. You weren't paying coaches like eight million dollars a year and um, you know, the the turnover in donors and all that kind of stuff, donor importance has become such a such a bigger factor with NIL, with everything involved with the programs, uh, with how you have to turn over your facilities, with how you have to fund recruiting at just like a basic level beyond NIL, it's all changed. And the economic realities are, if you want a continuous flow of money from donors, from season ticket sales, from all that kind of stuff, you either need to win at an elite level or fire coaches at a really aggressive clip. And until you do that, you're not going to be a serious school.
1: Yeah. All right. You want to do the next one? Sure. Um, this is a text message. Yes.
0: Uh, from Unknown. Uh, my vote for the best recent Christmas movie is, quote, better watch out. It's wonderfully twisted. And after the exhausting Black Friday marketing blitz in the first few days of cannibalistic consumer siege behavior, Warped and Wicked is what I really want from a Christmas movie.
1: I've never heard of this Christmas movie. I never heard of it either, so I can't really help. Anyone in the uh,
0: chat? It's probably a horror movie. It, it sounds like a Santa horror movie or something. Uh, yeah. Maybe? Maybe, I don't know. It's, it's a psychological horror film. Yeah, you called it. Um, It's well-reviewed, 89%. Oh, okay, not. I've got something to watch. Thank you. Yeah,
1: in your All sickness. right,
0: better watch out, everyone. Let's have a podcast of Champions Viewing Party.
1: Love it. Rob in Seattle wrote in. He says 12 and 0. Well, there is darkness. I'm sorry. Where there is darkness, there is also light. The only team to go 0 and 12 is now the only team in the Pac-12 era to go 12 and 0. The Huskies have achieved redemption for the sins of their past. The harmony of the universe has been maintained. What an incredible season to behold! DeBoer be praised. Beat the Ducks again. Phoenix wills it. Go Dogs rob in Seattle. Yeah. No bask
0: in this, Washington fans. It's very cool. Um undefeated season. You've got a coach who's 23 and 2. I think he's won like what is it? Like 18 straight games
1: now. I think so. Yeah. It's like second longest streak in the country behind Georgia, I
0: believe. Good god. Um yeah, it's it's marvelous. And uh you know, there's no reason why it can't continue. Um, You know, I think Oregon is favored for a reason. I think they have been more dominant of late, but um, it's not like it's – I don't think it's some kind of uh, uh, done deal. Uh, I think Washington can absolutely win that game and go into the playoff uh, heads high and with a coach who basically does nothing but win games. Not a bad position to be in. Yeah. All right. This is from Eric. Several unrelated questions. Hi, guys. A few questions I've been thinking about. One, recently I've seen some Twitter posts on what happened to the players who left Colorado after Coach Prime was hired, and this took me down a bit of a rabbit hole. Carl Durrell's recruiting classes were ranked 65th and 58th by 247. Not good by Power 5 standards, but average overall. It would seem to take some doing to turn the 65th best recruiting class into the 125th best team in the country in the 2022 season. How was Carl Durrell so good at running off his best players and making everyone else on his roster worse? <laughs> so I do want to note something. 65th and 58th by power five standards is absolutely horrible it's not that it's not good and it's not average it's horrible um and there's only
1: like 65 power five teams so you're not
0: right and it's also like once you get down into the like dregs you're not really ranking anything it's a bunch of unranked or two stars or whatever um fair but but most importantly uh it's the schedule you play then you're playing a schedule that's a power five schedule with 65th ranked recruiting classes carl the was a horrible recruiter um and obviously those classes don't really matter for what deon sanders did at colorado i don't i don't necessarily dispute that what he did was like borderline necessary i think there's probably some uh in addition to trimming the fat they probably cut out some meat uh particularly on the lines but i honestly don't know how good any of those guys would have been um I think the grand experiment of, of uh, leaning on the transfer portal, though, comes with a really um, – it's a significant drawback that I wasn't really considering when he was doing it, which is uh, those guys that you bring in had better be good because they can't go anywhere, right? You can't – if you're a new head coach, you can you know blow out your roster and cut a yeah. bunch of guys, and that's totally fine, and you can bring in a bunch of transfers. But those transfers get a one-time transfer, uh, they don't get another one unless they're grad transfers. So, getting them out of there, if they're not good enough, you know, as he said, he was going to try to get new guys in on the offensive line. Good luck, man. Uh, most of your roster can't leave. Um, so, there's some, I don't know, there, there's some interesting stuff, I think, in Colorado's immediate future here. Um, and I don't buy the like, oh, their recruiting is dead in the water. Like some people have been trying to say on uh, uh, on Twitter the last couple of days, but uh, they've got some things to figure out because I sure. don't think it's going to be it's not going to be super easy to get. I mean, he was talking about getting an entirely new offensive line. Maybe they need four new starters, but uh, that's not easy to get in the transfer portal. Um, line are tough. Alignment are tough, and I think they there was fast. a lot of a lot of people were saying this year. Building a transfer portal offensive line is a dire proposition. You just can't – and this is from, like, a developmental angle. um, The best offensive lines are built from the ground up. You start, you know, with the guys and you build them through your strength program and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it, um, and I think he might need to kind of recalibrate a little bit now that, you know – A base has been set and it's four and eight, and it's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, But now I think recalibrating with high school recruiting, especially, you know, this class, it's already pretty late, but recalibrating with how you recruit high school for the classes going forward, I think is probably the move. Um, You know, some people have started to say, hey, is building through the transfer portal even ideal uh, as a team wide thing? Um, And I think the studies on that are going to be really interesting over the next couple of years. But uh, Colorado's got some. Uh, they've got a kind of a roads diverged thing coming up where they've got to decide what kind of program they're going to be uh, over the next couple of years with how they recruit high school. Yeah. Uh, On a similar note, number two, I remember a time when Cal had pretty good football teams under Jeff Tedford and pretty good basketball teams under Kwonzo Martin. Now literally no sport that people care even remotely about football, baseball, volleyball, and men's and women's basketball and soccer is better than average. What happened to that athletic department? I can't Uh, tell you. I
1: don't know. But that's
0: bad leadership. uh, And they were hilariously in debt for a really long time. Probably shouldn't have fired Jeff Tedford. Maybe. I know it was kind of tanking there at the end, but um, he was the best thing that ever happened to their football program. uh, And he's continued to be an excellent coach since. So that was maybe a mistake in retrospect. Um, but I don't know the full details, whether there was some, you know, program issues or what, but, uh, you know, just looking at it from my angle, I think that was probably a mistake, but I think it's a lot of, it's bad leadership and, um, you know, they've carried a ton of athletic department debt. You know, there was cutting teams that was going on or attempting to go on for a while. So, um, They've just had a lot of, uh, I think, financial issues and bad leadership. And um, hopefully they can get out from under it. But I don't know if there's going to be any solutions found in the ACC.
1: Yeah, I think the the whole landscape of college athletics has changed too. And some schools are, you know, they kind of just, well, this is the way we've been doing it. And you have to kind of do it differently. Uh, and yeah. on, on most sports. And if you're not, if you're not adapting the, to the change, you're going to get left behind. I think that could be part of what happened with Cal. Absolutely.
0: Three, a lot of Oregon State fans seem to be complaining about Jonathan Smith leaving for Michigan State as if he led them on. Did he make some comments about how he was staying? If not, I don't see how you can fault the guy for leaving, given that the program is facing potential G5 irrelevance. I don't... I, so My my take on it is people are getting on him for basically doing the like, I'm not going to lie to you, um, and then some mealy-mouthed bullshit where he didn't actually say what he was intending to do. But doing all of that the week of the Civil War um, and not waiting until after the game, not just no commenting it until the after the game, uh, because he gave an interview to Canzano and it started to leak out earlier. And it just seems like he wasn't actually being that circumspect with what he was doing. Yeah. Um, And I think everyone would have appreciated if Sunday he decides he's going to Michigan State. Okay, fine. But if there hadn't been all this lead up crap. Um, And I think that's the part that's annoying people. And I think in the fullness of time, he didn't lead them on. He didn't tell them he was not going to do it. So it's not going to be that bad. It's just the AD has to put out a press release that week. Jonathan Smith gives an interview to John Canzano. Like all this stuff where it's like this obviously distracted from preparation to the game because it had to. And there's a way to do this stuff where, you know, Jonathan Smith makes it clear to Michigan State, hey, this isn't going to leak from my end. It better not leak from yours or I'm going to be pissed off. Um, and approaches the game that he was preparing for with a level of seriousness. And I think that's the part that's robbing people wrong, is that they they think, and I think rightly, that the buzz about him going to Michigan State distracted him, distracted the team from the task at hand.
1: And I think, I mean, his comments after too, right? Where he like he's like, you kind of knew this for a while. I forget what the exact quote was. It was something along those lines. Yeah, and
0: I- that's borderline disrespectful. And I think that feels that way at Oregon State. But I think a lot of this is just tied into, um, I, I don't want to use the word inferiority complex because that's not really what it is. But it's, it's tied into all of the um, uh, stuff with them not having a league to play in. And then their coach, who's like a beloved alum, basically tells them to go fuck themselves and oh yeah i've been thinking about leaving for like weeks and weeks and weeks it's been on my mind i've dreamed about it you know i've i i dream every night that's how i go to sleep it's like a calming thought when i go to bed at night um you know hearing that kind of stuff from the head coach uh who is this beloved alum is like wow kick us when we're down guy so i think there's a lot of things i think there's like basic hurt feelings which look i i'm a Her feelings matter, like being a dick to somebody for no reason and saying, oh, yeah, I was thinking about this for a long time. Look, I'm all for honesty, but you don't need to be an asshole. And uh, and and that's being an asshole to a bunch of fans who love their school, loved you. And uh, you're you're kicking them in the eyes. Um, You know, they're they're trying to, uh, you know, cope with the realities that they're dealt with. And you're just jumping ship. And I don't think anyone in the community really begrudged him for jumping ship it's uh the tone uh and the this um i think the perception that he didn't take that game seriously that week
1: you know and i i get that i feel like it's like it's a breakup there's no great way to I'm do it i'm a red question mark on youtube your wirecast sucks are, are you no i i can see you. I, i'm showing a red oh no okay. you're good you're good yeah. you're fine see you do um it's one of those things where like if okay, you're going to break up with your partner uh is there a great way to do it? There's not like, like, Oh my God, he broke up with me over text message or he took me to this dinner and I thought it was going to be great. And then broke up with me. And like, it's, no matter what you do, it's, there's going to be, it's almost impossible to get it exactly right. So you're going to get nitpicked. Oh, he made this comment afterwards. That was a kick in the kick in the eyes. Like you said, it's tough. I mean, I, I get it. Fans are going to be upset, but I feel it like in the end, you kind of understand, like if you're talking about taking care of you and your family and your coaches and their families, would you rather be in a place where you could fail and make a ton more money and it's stable and it doesn't matter versus you don't even know, you're going to be in a two-team conference next year. Like, we've never seen something like this before. Like, if you don't want to be like, hey, we're going to spearhead the Pack 2 like, I get it. Like, that's, that's fine if you want to do it. Like, maybe for Jake Dickard it's different. He's sort of still kind of building this up. Like, we've seen Jonathan Smith for years and we know what he can do. Um, so I, I think some of it is just like how you do it. Yeah. That you can nitpick how you do it, but no matter what you're doing, the fact that you're doing it is what people are pissed about more than the, how you're doing it. Even though you, yeah. they're going to say, Oh, I wasn't minded. I, mean, I get this a lot from Oklahoma fans. It wasn't that he left. It was like how he left like over and uh-huh. over and over again. Uh-huh. Like if you really yeah, cared yeah. this much, like, yeah, like it's, it's because he left you like that's what is going on. And, I think it's a natural sort of instinct. So I I tend to be less critical of that kind of stuff if you don't say the exact right thing on your way out. I mean, the fact that he was leaving, it's completely justified because of what happened to the conference he's in. And unfortunately, what happened to a great and and proud traditional program like Oregon State that just got left behind. Yeah, agreed.
0: All right, this is uh number four. This one is for Dave. Whenever you receive a super chat, you always expound on what a paragon of virtue the super chatter is. What if you received a super chat from someone who's obviously the opposite of that? Let's say Sam Bankman Freed, the leader of the Proud Boys, or well, the Zodiac Killer. Would you still expound <laughs> upon their virtues of an obviously terrible person for money? Thanks, guys. Uh yeah, depends on the amount of money. Uh, but no, I'm I'm all I'm down to uh you know, prostitute myself. That's fine.
1: Nice. Um we had a comment uh, from David Smith shouldn't have done the interview. End of story. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think he didn't need to, interv- he didn't need to do the
0: uh, Kanzano interview. And then forcing the AD to give a statement before that game is none of that sequence of events needed to happen. Yeah. Um, and then after the game, the low blow is, yeah, I was thinking about it for a long time. You know, I, I think he says, hey, look, my agent, uh my agent was doing his job, and you know, when I heard about Michigan State, that was an exciting opportunity. All eyes were focused on the game. Uh, but the timelines move quick here. So uh I thought about it last night after the game. Uh lie. Just lie. Because you're trying to spare feelings at that point. Right. Um But and then there are people think, mad later that you lied. He lied. No, nobody would be mad that you lied because nobody would know the details except for him. Nobody would know that uh, yeah, I decided I was gonna do this. Like he was saying. I've been thinking about this for a long time. Nobody needs to know your innermost thoughts, dude. Fair Um, fair enough. Yeah. And that's the part where it's like this radical honesty that he was attempting where he's like giving non-denials to John Canzano the week of the game. It's like, homie, you don't need to do this. Like everyone appreciates honesty to a point, but this is like, uh, you know, walking up to a friend of yours and telling them they're fat. Like nobody wants
1: that. honesty. All right, we've got one more. This is from Kim. Hello, POC. Should Washington State and Oregon State use their control of the Pac twelve organization to switch out Oregon in the championship game for Colorado or Stanford to make sure Washington has an easy path to the playoff? Stanford almost beat Washington, right? Um was that that, that happened, right? Did it, was that the or was that a different one? It wasn't almost beat, but they only won by like nine. Okay uh anyway that they have an easy path to the playoff then take the resulting money and run and by run i mean stay put in the best conference with some extra cash to wait out the time till the other teams come crawling back (laughs) thanks kim that's what i think it'd be very funny time is on your side where like if you're gonna keep playing on the west coast like how I, i feel like the first to break They'll be like the one, you know, like if you're trying to like uh, interrogate someone and you're like a, in a police station and you're like a whole group of like teenagers or something. And you could see the one that's like fidgety and not like, OK, that one's going to break first. Let's pull them in and and say, yeah, I, yeah we're going to call your parents and have them on the way and have them break. Cal and Stanford would be the first to break, like having to go all the way across the country, not getting paid that much money to do so, not getting a full share and all of those Olympic sports and non-revenue sports. I feel like those at some point they'd be like, all right, we can't do this anymore. Like that to me they would be the first to break. So, if you're Oregon State and Washington State, there's one thing you have like sort of is like we're in the right as far as like what should be happening, so maybe people kind of realize that at some point and come back. Yeah. Yeah? Does that make sense? I like it. I love it. Uh, who, I love uh, it. Oregon, I mean, I call it Stanford the first to kind of break like to go we can't send our water polo team to uh, Florida all the time. I don't know. Are they signed into
0: that ACC deal that's expiring in like 2036 now?
1: If it? Maybe they are. Yeah. I don't know, but there might be a way to like, but the deal is about football and like basketball, probably a little bit. I would think like if, if people came up with a solution for the other sports, they, they, the ACC network or ESPN would not care. They're like, yeah, go ahead. Play play your other sports that we don't care about that we don't broadcast on the West Coast. You don't have to be part of the ACC for that. But for football, you have to be. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. All right. Uh, well, that's going to wrap things up. I am heading to Vegas a little bit later on, so I'm very excited about that. My first time in uh, what yeah. do they call it? Is it Sunshine City? or si- The like-
0: City of
1: Joy? Virtue.
0: Ha- oh, no, no, no. It's the happiest place on earth. Yeah. <laughs> i think that's the slogan right the windy apple i don't know what it is <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's the city that uh never sleeps city that No, never i think wakes they sleep up.
1: a lot they go to bed early i believe yeah they
0: probably right. go to like, bed really early there because this is a desert what are you gonna do at night do right. they even have electricity I, there right. <laughs> certainly not like well lit right yeah
1: uh <laughs> I'm it's supposed that- to be utah isn't it a dry state it's right next to Utah, right? You can drive yeah. from Salt Lake City and uh, maybe you go. Maybe they have to bring their booze in from like Salt Lake City. I've heard
0: reports that a lot of it was founded by Mormons, so it's got to be a dry state, right? Dry city? Yeah. Uh, no? also,
1: so Amy says, it's the happiest place on earth. I'm here. So uh, appar- apparently it's very happy there. All right. Mm. Well, I'm looking mm. forward to uh, checking it out. Um, send me a tweet or something. If you are going to meet up, you have a tailgate or something. I don't really have any... Plans for that. Um, I'll be there and I'm covering a game on Saturday, USC Gonzaga basketball game, David. Is USC gonna get blown out? Is Gonzaga like really good? No. They're
0: not really good? No, they're not really good this year. Oh, okay. They're uh, good. Um, I don't think it'll be a blowout. Okay. I think like USD could win.
1: All right. Well we'll see. Is Packetball basketball good? Like you like good? No, uh, no. Arizona no. good? Uh,
0: so Arizona's really good. Uh, the Pac-12's reputation as an elite basketball conference this year uh, it has not has not withstood the test of November. Um, right now in Ken Palm, which is like the SP+, but for basketball, yeah. there is one Pac-12 team in the top 25. Uh, two in the top 30. Uh, USC rounding in at number 30. Um, but no, uh, Colorado, which was supposed to be really good, has uh, – has taken a couple of losses um, to Florida State and Colorado State. And the back end of the conference has taken some horrific losses. So,
1: Gotcha. Well, I yeah. I, I was there in Vegas for – I'm sorry. Yeah, I guess I was there like a couple of weeks ago. Maybe wow. my, this is my you. second time. Um, yeah. But when – Colorado beat uh, – they beat somebody good, I think. Or they beat Georgia. They, they were like a good football team, not a good uh, basketball team. Um, but George Klyovkov was actually there like courtside. Someone yeah. said because you're sick, who's, you're not going to be able to give away the uh, Pac-12 championship trophy. Sad. Yeah. Will it be Klayofkov? Is uh, Is George going to do it? That'd uh, what be do you awesome. Think? The first football game he attends this year is the title game. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll report back and see. Um, I'm bummed you're not going to be there, but I should have a lot of fun because uh, it's Vegas and you go to bed early and you know work
0: out you'll get a lot of sleep
1: um you'll be rested
0: uh (laughs) you're gonna feel good um good and good about yourself and all the decisions you make all the decisions you'll wake up in the morning and you'll think wow i made so many good choices last night i feel great i don't feel an ounce of regret for any of them and i remember them all extremely clearly nice
1: all right well uh that's gonna wrap things up uh thank you everyone um we'll keep doing shows i guess i don't know what we're gonna do we'll have poll previews we'll go back and look at our our preseason picks and all that kind of stuff
0: yeah Um, yeah. it'll be all regular up until we get to like mid-january and then things are gonna get weird and wonky everybody um i think what we're going to try to do is figure out a structure for um the offseason uh that makes sense uh I think it can basically follow along the same path. I would like to do a series with the site pubs about their respective schools and how they think they fit in their new conferences. If you remember back several years, we did a long series on the structural like um, strengths and weaknesses of the different schools re-evaluating that now in the context of their new conferences I think could be really fun so we'll try to do something like that we'll see if we can get all the schools on board with doing something like that um
1: it could be like a once a week thing where we talk to you know yeah do a deep dive on your school yeah, yeah and just get them on as a guest and uh and it, you know it'll really be the first time we can kind of do video with them like yeah. we haven't done really that um we've done like voicemails and stuff but you know get in like you me and Adam a Munster Tiger, like, you know, breaking down, yeah. like, you know, Colorado's meteoric rise and then um, <laughs> p- complete collapse and uh, destruction uh, yeah. later in the season. So all that will be kind of fun. Um, all right. Well, uh, good stuff, David. I hope you feel better. And I'll, I'll report back from uh, this city in the desert. Um, I think it was funded by or like uh, founded by a lot of Italian families that came there. Yeah, that's
0: what I. A lot of a lot of Italian families um, played a prominent role
1: in in those. In the, I think in the large buildings there, you know, the big ones. They 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 were like they're probably construction workers or something. They built probably some sort of
0: yeah some sort of blue collar uh, work ethic uh, involved with trash removal or things like that. (laughs) Sanitation work. (laughs)
1: Sanitation. All right. (laughs) Imports and exports of olive oil. Um, Yes. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, that's David, David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.